Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I am really excited to get in today's podcast with Allison Felsenthal. What an incredible, incredible person who has just gone from, man, the improvement of some people just, it really is astonishing. This is someone who was a dedicated swimmer as a youngster and teenager, and then got into running a little bit later, uh, as you'll hear after kind of like a, you know, living in the, living in New York city and enjoying everything that had to offer. She started getting into running, went from a 348 marathoner to a sub three hour marathoner. And in 2022 set a PR at literally every distance in some unbelievably amazing times. Um, I guess someone that you would say now is kind of like an elite amateur runner. Uh, I guess not that that's a phrase. Can we make that a phrase? I don't know. Something along those lines. But this was a great podcast. I can't wait to get into it. Also want to give two shout outs to some sponsors that we have lined up for this year. You can, which is uh, just one of my favorite, favorite pre-run and mid-run nutrition companies and Prevenex, which is a um, a supplement and protein powder brand that I've been working with for a long time that I really trust. So before we get into, before we get into it, I do want to say that you can save 20% on UCAN. If you go to UCAN.co forward slash rambling or just UCAN.co and you can save 15% on Prevenex if you go to Prevenex.com and use code RUNNER15. Now, let's get into it with Allie. All right, Allie, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited to talk to you. Man, talk about people who had great 2022s. You are on a heater, just a streak of amazing running. This is going to be a fantastic conversation, but you're also a coach as well, so obviously we can we can talk about that, um, and maybe even a little meta, right? You can think about your own running as a coach and as an athlete, and sometimes, you know, how that, that interplay there, uh, before we get into it, uh, we were just finishing talking, talking offline as we were getting, making sure our technology was ready, and I was telling you, like, my nose normally doesn't look like this. I just finished a two-hour run. People listen to the podcast uh, may know this, but like ever since I got COVID on my runs, I get incredibly stuffed up, but not during the day, only when I'm exercising. So I'm constantly like wiping my nose on my sleeve and all this stuff. So like I come back from my run and basically I'm like the Charmin ad where like they can't touch their nose because it's so sensitive. And that's me. So my nose, I look like Rudolph on the podcast and you shared an interesting anecdote because you had something similar. Yeah. I've just been coughing up phlegm for the past two years. I had COVID in March, 2020 and uh, all throughout the the training, I just literally on all my workouts, it's like, ugh, I feel like I want to throw up sometimes, but you got to get it out. You just got to. That's right. So you, March, 2020. So you're, you're like an OG, OG COVID getter, right? Like you're like the, you're like, you know, sometimes there are people like that with bands. Yes. Like, oh, I liked them before they were popular. Like, you got COVID before it got to everybody. Oh, yeah, the OJ, like, before the vaccines and everything. <laughs> oh, my god, It gosh. was rough, but we're, so, we're here. Has it over the past, so you had it, you know, at, at this point, almost three years ago, um, over the last, say, two years, has there been any progression or has it been pretty consistent in terms of, like, how it's affected you on the run? Whew. Okay. So at first I was so lethargic. I could barely walk, honestly. And I said to myself, I, Ali, move. You just got to move. And if you follow me, you know that I'm very consistent, but I'm also one to listen to my body and pull back when I don't feel like I could do much. So it's been consistent. It's gotten better very slowly, I want to say. In 2021, when I ran the San Diego Marathon, rock and roll, 
when I ran a 302 marathon, I was coughing up phlegm during that marathon. And I'm, I just, I kind of find it fascinating that I did that marathon so well. I surprised myself. And as I just continued to move my body, I felt better, less lethargic, but you know, we're just rolling with it. Yeah, that's all at you this can point, really you do, just, right? At this point, you must just be what you're used to doing. Yeah, like more or less, yeah. Probably makes probably working with running groups a little bit harder, though. Yes, yes. You know, I have to say, when I ran the Armory last year, I was coughing so loudly that I had to walk out because I was like, I was embarrassed. I was like hacking up a lung oh, after my. my 5K. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember you ran that. That's right. So did you did you not come? Did you not complete the race, or was this post race? No, I actually PR'd. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's that's what my memory was. Was that you PR'd, but then you said, "I'm like, oh wait, hold on, am I like thinking of somebody else?" Was, no, no. Oh, so this is post race. You were hawking it up. Yeah, so I missed that minor detail. So post race, you know, I'm working really hard. First indoor track meet ever. So I was like not really used to the air in there, and all of a sudden I just started coughing and I just couldn't stop. So I was like, "All right, everyone, peace." That was fun. Oh I'm gonna leave. That's yeah, so what I'm talking about. Like crazy highs leading to like a really weird like post race thing, right? Because like setting a PR, especially a race that you've done a lot, like it's it, that's that's a remarkable achievement. And as a coach, you know this, right? It's like you want you want to make sure that your athletes are celebrating those kinds of things because the more we run, those things don't happen as often. And all of a sudden, you're like in this weird position where like you're like trying to really trying to embrace like the New York running scene, and like all of a sudden, you're like out on the street. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's running has its ebbs and flows. And I just I've really found that the biggest thing that has allowed me to succeed, honestly, as a runner has been not to take it so seriously and just to have fun with it and smile even when it hurts. And I truly mean that. And I tell all my athletes that as well. Does that come easy to you or you, you you're such a high achieving person? Usually what comes with that for a lot of people is kind of like that type A driven, like, I'm not going to take things how they go. I'm going to try to like make my imprint here. I'm going to try to like, you know, change the course of events as opposing, as opposed to like having like things just kind of roll off my back or just happen to me. Um, how is it, how has it been adopting that kind of mentality? It's been amazing. Um, you know, it's funny you say that because I am very driven and there's a part of me that is very type A and there's a part of me that knows that has learned throughout my training to just the more I relax and the more I just trust my training and trust the process, my fitness is able to show in my races. And not every race is going to be great, but if you're able to just go into a race feeling just relaxed and just having the perspective of getting to tow that start line and getting to run it because, you know, I, I have two legs, I have the health to, um, keeping it fun and just smiling, truly forcing that smile when, you know, you're pushing it in like a 10K, for example, or even a 5K, it just keeps it so much more enjoyable, I want to say. Um, and I don't really beat myself up anymore. Well, good for you, because that's a hard thing. And um, I think it's one thing, I think it's easier to adopt that mentality, oftentimes for people, when they also take a step back from trying to be ultra competitive, right? It's almost like the hard part for a lot of people is trying to adopt that kind of mentality that you so, um, so, uh, so you, <laughs> the, the irony of me trying to say that you spoke eloquently while also at the same time me speaking completely uneloquently, um, but you so, you so eloquently stated how you, how you handle that and how you approach things. But at the same time, 
that oftentimes can be a tough thing to do when you're also still trying to reach goals and you're trying to be a high achiever because those things can feel at least like they are at odds or it just can be tough to manage, right? It can be tough to be like, hey, I care about the results, but I also have to go about this as if I don't care about the result and just focus on the process. And sometimes those things can be can feel contradictory. Yeah, it's, you know, yes. They can, but I don't want to say I don't care. It's more or less like I used to be so hard on myself. I used to literally, after every workout that didn't go perfectly, I used to just stop and just cry, honestly, and just be so frustrated. And I was like, wait, Allie, why? what's the point? Why am I doing this? Like, I'm not trying to be an Olympian. And hey, if I am one day, like, that's cool. But... I went into this sport wanting to have fun with it and seeing what I could do. And with that attitude, you're, that's not going to be achievable. And so with experience and just now with a little more wisdom and just bringing myself back to my wins and not just the times, I'm talking about those workouts when I actually missed my times and I still just stuck with it and gave myself a pat on the back. And I was like, you know what? I just finished that workout. I feel good. Onward. Just consistently repeating that time and time again has just really allowed me to keep a more relaxed attitude. When you think back to those workouts and just that time of your athletic life, those kinds of reactions, and I've had them as well, so I'm right there with you. What was, what do you think was the root cause of some of those? And, um, you know, I think that might be a tough question, but you know, I think about that. Was it more like, hey, you had maybe misplaced goals? Did you not have an understanding of what your fitness was? Did you not have like a complete understanding of like maybe how tough the workout was? Or were you just being so hard on yourself because you had unrealistic expectations or just huge expectations? Or what were just the, the root causes of some of those frustrating moments and kind of debilitating responses to them? To be honest with you, all of it. And this is, I don't know what vulnerable is if this isn't, but all of it, I'm I'm relatively new to the sport in terms of, you know, competing in it and just, yeah, really trying to be an athlete at a level of a sub three hour marathoner. So when I saw that sub three goal, I was very far from it fitness wise. I was not there. And I was pushing myself, you know, my coach obviously was guiding me, but I was pushing myself just too hard and also executing my workouts extremely poorly, like going out with all my emotions, not thinking practically with my brain. You know what I mean? Like, for example, in a tempo run, I would go out at like a 620 pace sometimes. And this is, you know, in the beginning of like my training journey and like three years ago at this point, um, when the prescribed pace was like 650 pace, like really letting my emotions get the best of me. And I learned time and time again, it was not a day that I learned this, that, you know, that is not going to lead me to success as a runner. And slowly with time, I was able to just trust myself, learn from those mistakes and those mishaps and execute my workouts a little better and just gain a little more confidence every time. And so by doing that and just being a little patient and understanding that things don't happen overnight, allowed me to just kind of become a better athlete, I feel like coach and just person overall and the way I approach things. Yeah, those workout times can be tough, right? There's so many of us and there's, there's a lot of reasons for this as well that kind of view them oftentimes the way we view speed limits when we're driving. It's like, all right, that's the starting point. 
Yep. Right. That's the yep. bare minimum of what I am personally you know, going to be um, that I will find acceptable during mm-hmm. this workout. Right. And then and then I'm arousing a time where maybe I still feel this way. I can't be I got to be honest with you, but I, there are certainly were other points in my life where I absolutely felt this way, like inc- to an ex- incredibly strong degree of like, I wanted to like, Im- like visibly impress my coach with like my times. Right. So it was like as frustrated or happy as I may have been. I also like craved this external validation of like my coach, like looking into my, um, you know, running, you know, whether it was V dot or whatever and being like, holy cow, this is amazing. You're amazing. All that stuff. And like, it was like, I was so tied up in, in that feeling. And, 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 you know, I think hopefully I've moved past some of it. I, I, I know for sure I haven't moved past all of it. Um, but I, I know I've been looking back on those times and being like, oh my God, why was I doing that? Or why do I still do that sometimes? I mean, it's really easy to, it's, you know, none of us are perfect and it's okay. It's okay. It's you okay. Know, well, it's not good. It's I not the end it. of the world. Yeah. I appreciate it. See, Allie's coming on. She's my therapist now. This is great. <laughs> it's great. Um, uh, well, let's talk about your journey. So you mentioned before you had this three-hour goal that popped up and you were very far from it. So where was the genesis of that goal at that point? I saw sub three, sub three everywhere on Instagram, in within the running community. And I was like, hmm, that's a really hard goal. I'm going to try to go for it though, because I love the marathon and I started with the marathon and I didn't really start with the time goal at all. I started because I wanted to finish it. Truly. I wanted to test my limits. And then I was like, sub three, now that is hard. So I need a coach to help get me there. So you went from like, all right, I want to finish a marathon and like the, your first, so your first time goal was sub three. So was there a certain marathon that you were drawn to, or is it just like, Hey, this is just a cool achievement. Um, what, what do you mean? I like some people like, be like, Oh, like I think I'm, um, one individual I interviewed like three years ago. He's like, you know, he grew up in Queens. So he's like, he wanted to run the New York city marathon. Cause it literally went by his house. He's oh, like, yeah. I want to do that someday. Whereas like for me, I was like, I want to run a marathon. I really don't care which one it is. In fact, I probably didn't even know that many marathons at the time where I made that a bucket list. So... I should probably backtrack. There wasn't a specific marathon I was thinking for the sub three goal at that time. I'd already done Boston and qualified for it. And oh, I'm sorry. It. I meant like when you when you when your your first goal of running a marathon. Yes, my oh okay. the New York City. Oh okay. Oh, because I live here, and I was like, I saw it every year, and also I was a huge party girl. Like I was not in the running scene. I completely was like out on the streets, like drinking, like, yeah, cheering everyone on. And I was like, that'd be cool to run one day. And literally, yeah, um, my coworker gave me her bib in 2015 and I ran it. Whoa, hey now. All right, so that's, that's what, what an auspicious way to begin a marathon journey. That, that is pretty wild. Um, and obviously it worked out well for you because here you are today with all these running goals and now you like your whole life, you know, from, from a professional standpoint and athletically is revolved around running. So when did running become something that was be more than just like a, a like kind of like a dreams, like slash fantasy, like, wouldn't it be cool if, and all of a sudden it some becomes something that is, you know, a major, if not primary part of your life. When I was really stressed out in corporate America, I started running ultra marathons leisurely around New York city and I grew to doing that. I just would put 
food in my backpack on a Saturday morning and my friends would go out with day drink and I'd be like, yeah, I'll meet you later. I'm going to just go run for a little. And every Saturday I would see, you know, how much further I could go. And I started running, you know, very loose structured during the week, run walking. I walked everywhere and I started just running these ultra marathons and around the perimeter of Manhattan. And that's just how solo. I my so life. this is not like a sanctioned event. You're just solo. going out there rocking it. Solo. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like my peace, my Zen. And I just ran all my stress out, all of it. Sounds like you must have been pretty stressed if it's a solo, solo ultramarathon is what was needed. I, so, you know, it's funny because I just was running because I like, I love the outdoors and I know I live in New York City, but I just love the fresh air, not being in an office. Um, I, it was my outlet. It was truly my outlet. It became my outlet. Um, I started ditching happy hour for the treadmill at that time. Also during the wow, work week. What a trade. Yeah, I know, right? And I'd show up to happy hour like in my gym clothes, like, "Hey, everyone, I'm gonna go to Equinox and run." Yeah. Wow. And people don't know, but Equinox is like a huge, you know, um, gym in the in the New York City area. I know it's probably beyond that now, but like it's kind of like an institution at this point within the New York City realm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, running was just that was like my it was really special for me, and I really didn't run for performance reasons at all at that point. And that's when it became something in my life that was kind of more meaningful the more I did it then. That was, yeah, that was 2014, 2015. Hey, folks, are you tired of the spike and crash and GI distress that comes with sugar-based sports nutrition? Well, let me tell you, I know I am, and it's why I use UCAN before and during runs. It's a big deal for me, um, it's just it really does settle my stomach and even more importantly, provides me the energy that I need to feel good on my runs and then even on race days. So if I have a big long run planned, I usually do two skips, two two skips, two scoops, there it is, of the UCAN powder and then one of the little mini scoopers of the UCAN hydrate, which is an electrolyte mix, which tastes really good. Pop it in there and then I feel really good on the run. And if it's a really long run too, I get one of the edge gels. These edge gels are UCAN's version of on-the-grun nutrition, and they are fantastic. They're kind of like a liquid gel. And for me, it, it absorbs super fast. It doesn't have a lingering taste. The taste is fine, but it doesn't linger in your mouth. And it provides a ton of energy. I just used it on a run two days ago. I really, really like this stuff. And the bars, oh my gosh, the bars, <laughs> they're fantastic. Uh, it's easy to see why the UCAN got some awards for their Edge Energy Gel. It really is absolutely fantastic. In fact, if you go to our special, UK, our special URL, this is fantastic news. You can get six Edge sample packs. So basically six Edge Energy Gels for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping. If you go to youcan.co forward slash rambling to claim that exclusive offer. Also, if you just use code rambling, you can save 20% on all of your orders at youcan.co. If you're not sure what I said right there, just go to the show notes as all the links and all of the promo codes there. Again, it's just code rambling, save 20%. And your six free edge gels at youcan.co forward slash rambling. Wow. And here you are. So let's 
Let's talk about since you had that sub three goal and you were very open about you know your what you're doing as a runner and you share a lot on Instagram and and, and you know it's obviously part of why your coaching business has taken off, which is also really exciting to make that such a big part of your life. Um, so let's just talk about that sub three goal, you know, and and how you have approached that uh, in terms of you know building up to it from kind of a long ramp, right? There's some people who have a sub three goal, but they kind of get that goal once they break like 305, right? So I'm thinking of like someone who'd be like, all right, I want to run like a sub seven minute pace marathon, right? So that's like 304 and change, roughly speaking, right? So like also like, all right, sub seven is my goal. Now sub three is my goal, right? That'd be, a, if someone's a goal-centric person, that's a pretty natural evolution from a goal-setting perspective. However, you're coming at it from a very different runway. So talk to me just from a mental standpoint, what it was like kind of embracing that journey um, to such a a challenging uh, stretch goal. Yeah. So this goes back to something deeper, but I swam for nine years competitively. Uh, when I was younger and I gave up on myself like I truly I just quit I quit after you know high school and I'll never forget doing that and so after I just got into running and ran my first marathon ran my second marathon ran my third and qualified for Boston and then ran Boston I said to myself you know I wonder how far I could go in this sport I want to push myself in every way physically mentally um and I don't really know what I could do. I need help. And so I hired my coach to help guide me and also to really f like help me figure out what I was missing. And truly, it was speed work, structure, and, you know, more variety in my training overall, holistically. I had a crazy aerobic base going into this goal. I just really had never ran fast before or tried. Gotcha. And, and coming from the swimming background, obviously you had an aerobic base just kind of sitting in your body, kind of waiting to be tapped into again. Now having that that previous swimming journey as kind of like a a kind of simmering motivational fire, right? Just kind of like laying below the surface. When you think back to when you stopped, was it when you look back on it, do you are do are you filled with regret? Are you do you feel like hey like I understand where I was coming from like that's kind of a natural evolution of things or do you kind of view it in a different way? I don't regret it. Um, I understand it because I think you know my coach at the time my coach was great, but I swam until I hated competing. I like and I don't use that word. I just was so frustrated. My attitude was terrible. It was bad, um, and it wasn't. You know, I I grew from it. And there was nothing like getting that sub three and getting over that kind of self-doubt, doubting myself that I could, you know, that I couldn't do something because I worked really, really hard and I was disciplined. And, you know, hard is hard for everyone, but just following a plan, following a structured plan and, you know, staying true to myself and just believing in myself time and time again, workout after workout. That sub three didn't happen at the race in Chicago, by the way. It happened in the training. Of course. Of course. That's the coach talking right there. Coach yeah, is coming out. Yeah, um, just subconsciously came for out. Sure. <laughs> well, and, and the thing too is that as long as we get, it's easy to get swept up in the culture that we are surrounded by. And swimming is a great example of this. Uh, crew is a great example of this, where early morning workouts doubles every day, 
you know, if you you're say you're a school age person, right? You know, getting up at four, in the pool by four thirty, done by six, back in the pool at three o'clock, and like that's just forget about being exceptional. That's literally the minimum standard, and it's like crazy for outsiders. But for someone who's in it, you're like, not only is that not crazy, but that just keeps me average. Like, if I want to be better than other people, I have to do more than that somehow or make the most of that time in the pool. When you think back to the um, just the work ethic that you had during that time, knowing what you know as a coach and just having the time and distance from that experience, not even saying I'm not even going to go into like demonizing the culture or demonizing that kind of work ethic. I'm just want to lay that out there. People who don't know what it's like, like, how do you think back in that era, just in terms of how hard you were working just to literally and figuratively keep your head above water? Oh, my gosh, it was exhausting. Whew. I fell asleep in class multiple times, <laughs> multiple times. Um, I was thrown out of practice sometimes and you know not just me like you know if I was tired my coach was like get out of the pool get out and go home like there was no ifs ands or buts uh I was on a pretty competitive team you know there was people that went to the Olympic trials and the I don't even know the Olympics on my team I was not even one of the better swimmers uh so that goes to what you just said those people that were like at the top of the top they did dry land like twice a day doubles um and that was like six days a week because swimming's no impact so it's it's a lot more you could just go in the pool more and swim your brains out and have your hair discolored for days <laughs> right yeah it's, it's, it's a great yeah. point with, with the pool and with biking it's not like hey you can't do more than two hard workouts a week you know, because of the low impact it's like you can just let your aerobic system on fire and there's really not going to be like this immediate kind of like, Oh, here comes a stress fracture. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, getting back to like the worth ethic, you know, it's not going to happen naturally. It's going to be hard work, but you don't have to kill yourself to get good results. You know, I felt like when I was able to put in more quality into my swimming rather than just showing up and like swimming for the heck of it with, you know, just, you know what I mean? Being in the pool and spending hours in the pool, that was better. That's when I saw my best times, when I got that good rest. And I brought myself back to that a little bit when I was training for the sub three. And I was like, why don't I treat everything around the training the same way, just as importantly as I, te- te- um, sorry, treat the actual training. And I mean, I got to eat to fuel my runs. I got to eat to fuel my body and to have it recover properly. And I need to sleep like nine hours a day if I'm trying to do this and run this much, similar to how I did when I swam. All right. Let's talk about the eating and the sleeping, just just nutrition in general. Um, In the sleeping part, right, you work in a corporate America and you were like, you know, living the city urban life. You know, to, to the fullest, and that's sometimes why people want to live there. Um, and that certainly is something that seems like you took advantage of and really enjoyed as that that part of your that part of your life. So, talk to me about that evolution of maximizing kind of the social aspect of your life and the shift to kind of trying to maximize the athletic part of your life and how you manage the nutrition and the sleep side of things. So, the social aspect of my life, you're talking about the social aspects like from swimming to corporate. Oh, no, I'm talking about like the, like you're talking before, like you're like a party girl. We're like going out to the bars all the time and the friends are day drinking and like we're going to hit it up. And again, like part of me is like, that sounds great. You know, I mean, let's go, let's go right now. But then uh, obviously, like that part of your life, you, you had a, a, an intentional shift from that. 
right? And just let's talk about just like what that looked like, um, kind of the nitty gritty perspective in terms of like your new, just your general nutrition and your general sleeping habits. Wow. Okay. Whew. This is uh, emotional, but a lot. It's it's good for anyone to hear this that's, you know, listening um, to, you know, that might be in the same boat and might just be like, wow, you know, I really want to kind of shift my habits or maybe change my life and use running as an outlet to be a healthy person. Um, I'll start with that. When I was partying, I was not, I was running to like be healthy, but then I would offset that by going and drinking and like eating like crap and waking up and having that like be a virtuous cycle and living for the weekend. And it got to a point where I was just like, you know what, like I got to, I got to stop. I feel like crap. I want to make a change. Like I want to live a healthy life. And so when I ran my first marathon, I took a complete 180 and stopped drinking like complete 180. My friends were like, are you sick? Are you okay? And I was like, oh no, I'm great, but I'm not drinking anymore. And I wouldn't say I had a problem drinking, but it was a little excessive. I'm not going to lie. Um, and now I, you know, it was not a quick transition. It was slow, but I just used, I, I started to run. I started to meet people in the running community who had similar interests as me, who shared how disciplined they were. And it inspired me. It really inspired me to like keep going and just to keep following my gut because I knew I was on the right path and just showing up for myself day after day and not picking up the bottle on a Saturday night, but maybe just like hanging out with friends and, you know, keeping it low key so I could wake up on Sunday morning for a run because I love doing that just brought me so much more joy and made me feel so much better and led me here. <laughs> Can we talk more about that? And not necessarily just like diving into your experience personally, but just yeah. but kind of like comparing that to just like the general feeling of things. Um, there was, I know, AC Shilton, did a piece in Runner's World. I think it came out on December 22nd. I think the title was like, Are Runners Drinking Too Much? Right? And then this week, I'm bringing this up in my um, in my, in my my Google my Google Drive right now because like there was a, another um, article that came out, uh, I think it was today or maybe it was yesterday, um, that I found to be incredibly impactful. This was in bicycling.com, um, kind of of the same... The, the same variety. Now I'm like literally filibustering my own podcast as I bring this up. Yeah, it was published on January 1st by Gloria Liu. Uh, Does cycling have a drinking problem? So basically the same title, two very different people who wrote these in, in their different pieces. Um, you can probably guess by the tenor of this conversation where we're going with this. Um, and I found Gloria's piece to be incredibly impactful. I'm not a bicyclist, but it, it, that's, it, that part doesn't matter because you could literally take all the cycling, the word cycling, and just copy paste running into it. I felt like it would be the exact same story. Um, a lot of it was around just like the group culture and like you are in a spot in New York City where and this is kind of the nice piece, nice part of living in an urban area. There's so many people around, so many community you know, elements, right? You have all these different running groups. How exciting, like that's awesome. And, I, and I'm personally jealous of like people who live in those sorts of areas. But a lot of times that could also manifest itself in terms of like, all right, we're going to go to the post-run beers and this is what, and there can be a drinking element associated with it. How, how, what's been your experience with that sort of thing in terms of just your own personal experiences, but also someone who 
witnesses it and maybe doesn't partake in just kind of your your overall impressions of that that sort of thing and just kind of like the vibe that that are now prevalent in these two impactful articles yeah you know uh, drinking in new york city and running in new york city are two very big things going on there's two scenes for both and there's a scene for the both together um you could choose, you could still be a part of any running club and you could be social and you could go to these things and, you know, just go and honestly, this is what I've done for anyone just who's hesitant to like not engage in a running group because of that social aspect part of like the bar, let's go grab a drink after. I've gotten a, not a vodka, oh my gosh, um, a seltzer, like a seltzer or something bubbly, non-alcoholic and just gone to, you know, to the bar after to say, Hey, you know, just to be social and then just left because I don't, I don't want to drink. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Right. And there's one, there's an anecdote, one of these, which was like, this is like example 10,002, like why it's harder to be a woman than a man. But it was like, this person's like, the hard part was like, I, like I, this person was talking about how like they love to, to be part of that scene. Um, um, actually, no, this was part of this article. It was uh, shared by a friend of mine who I forwarded the article to, and he, he felt really bad because someone like went to kind of like the post-run festivities and they didn't drink. They had, you know, while they were there, and it was like, it basically was like a way of them kind of alerting all their friends that they were pregnant, but they didn't want to tell them at that time. But like, they also didn't want to drink either. So it was kind of like, oh, what am I going to do now? Um, yeah, it's, it, this is interesting. I, I'm kind of going through my own little journey with this. I don't have a, a drinking problem, but like I, I look at this, I'm like, all right, all these articles saying like there's no health benefit whatsoever. And it's like, all right, well, well, then why am I doing this again? Right. And so kind of trying to like evaluate kind of why I'm doing certain things. And, you know, it's kind of like of the moment, right? We are in resolution season and I think a lot of people are doing dry January. So um, I appreciate you being open and honest about this. Um, that's not easy. So thank you for, for sharing that uh, with us. Let's talk about 2022. I know we're, yeah, we're, we're a couple days into 2023. We can't talk all 2023 right now and yeah, resolutions no. and things like that. 2022, you had, man, a string of really good performances. I know probably some of those preceded 2022, but can you just list for the people what some of these, you know, exploits that you were able to do? Because I think it's, it's, it's knowing where you came from, especially like, it's not like you're a professional athlete here. You're coming to running a little bit later. Um, it's just an incredible string of performances. I had a really successful 2022. I want to let anyone listening on here know that you should always strive for your goals. Don't let anyone tell you it's not possible. Everything's possible. And I, I feel like I sound like the goat saying that, but I love him. <laughs> Ilya Kipchoge. That's who I'm referring to. Uh, so now getting to my performances, I ran a two minute 5k PR this summer on the track. It was my first second outdoor track meet actually for my 1818 5k PR. Uh, and this was during a marathon build. Yes. That was after oh an 1836 PR. That was my time before the 1818. So now I'm training to run a faster 5k as well, which will hopefully lead to a faster marathon. Um, I got a two minute 10 K PR and went to the double a corral in New York Roadrunners for the woman and I will tell you, I felt like I had imposter syndrome standing there with like the sub elite woman and like one pro. I was like, where am I? This is the, 
this is different. I'm, I truly mean that. Um, I ran a th- uh, 3804 10K. Uh, I did not run a half leading into the marathon, um, but I ran a, a 10 mile race um, in a minute and I think one second. Also in the double A corral, I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> oh my gosh. And then I ran a 257 38 marathon in uh, Chicago. Oh my gosh. What a st- <laughs> one <laughs> one after another. All those are remarkable. And you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, oh that one's amazing too. Oh, that one's amazing. Um, I mean, what an incredible string of performances. You said this explicitly just a few minutes ago that like none of these happen. You, you refer to the marathon, but I think we can all say that it refers to all of them. And that none of these just happened on race day. It happens in the training. Um, how has your training evolved slash changed or shifted um, I guess let's just talk about like the last couple of years, like basically post COVID. So you got COVID, you were obviously hit pretty hard from it. Let's just use like, once you got back to running, back to exercising post COVID, how has your training looked, changed and evolved since then? Yeah. Um, that was, uh, a great, great time for me to start, to just start, to start on a structured program, to start building my aerobic base so that I could actually, you know, really fine tune those interval workouts and even just like get used to them because they were new to me and get used to, um, you know, like what tempo runs were and how to properly execute them while a lot of other people were taking a break. And I remember saying to myself, this is going to pay off dividends. It's going to pay off in a few years. It's not going to happen in a year, but I might as well start now. There's nothing else to do because it's 2020 and everything is locked down. So I'm just going to take advantage of running and really locking in to my training and starting, starting here. And so, you know, um, I run six days a week. I, you know, I mostly, I run for time, not distance, because I get very fixated on paces. But when I'm on the track doing my interval workouts, it's important to have those paces that you're hitting when you're going for aggressive time goals, such as a sub three marathon. But first, I tried to get a faster 5K when I was working towards that goal. That didn't happen in the first year, by the way. It did not. (laughs) It's was like lethal to me to run a 5k because I never really raced a 5k by the way before 2020. Interesting. Wow. I yeah I ran one but I didn't race it. There's oh I I see I see yeah but still but still I mean that's not that's not a huge difference because I mean that I should say that that is a huge difference because like you don't have to be super fit to feel like you're racing a 5k because you know for the vast majority of people seeing this that's probably around a half an hour or less which is like again it can be an incredible effort and it can feel like lung burning and some people prefer longer races to 5ks and i can understand why but like you don't have to be an incredibly fit person to feel like you are running really hard for a 5k yeah yeah and oof, the 5k hurts <laughs> but you know what it helped me break past so many mental barriers that were blocking me from doing better things in the longer distances, which I love, such as, you know, like giving up because it hurt a little bit. Of course, it's supposed to hurt a little bit. I kind of flipped my perspective and I said, you know what? I feel so alive doing this. My heart's racing. I'm working really hard, but I could do this. At the same time, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't breathe at times. But, you know, I just kept going. And kept focusing on one foot at a time, one step at a time, and just enjoying the overall process, all of it, the races, the people, the, you know, the energy, the 
the hard training, all just the dedication, the discipline to have to go to bed at a certain hour <laughs> and to wake up really early for all of it. Yeah. All right. Prevenex is back as a sponsor. And I am so excited about that. I love Love, love Prevenex. I've been part of um, the Brainly Runner podcast for a long time. And in this interim where they hadn't sponsored the show in like 18 months or so, and they've been sponsoring the show for a long time. So there was no ill will there. And it was one of those things where I just kept using it. I wasn't getting any free stuff. I was paying for myself. And I absolutely love it. When I do a, po- I think a post run after any run, long run, short run, recovery run, whatever, first thing I grab, Neurofy Plus. Okay, this is a protein powder that is so much more than that. This stuff is packed with stuff. Sometimes you get a protein powder and it's literally just protein. That's not a bad thing. That's better than nothing. But wouldn't you want the whole kit and caboodle? That's exactly what Neurofy Plus has. Even has probiotics. They have everything in there. It's the perfect post-run powder protein mix. It's no, no question about that. The other thing that I've always stuck with is the Joint Health Plus. As I get older, again, I feel fine on the run. I feel great. The one thing that I notice is in the morning when I wake up, I feel like a skeleton walking down the stairs or meandering around the house. I know if I've been taking my Joint Health Plus or not just by how my ankles feel in the morning. And it's just one of those, for me, it's just an obvious sign of of, whether I've done it. Also, just overall age. And for me, Joint Health Plus is a huge benefit for me. If you go to Prevenex.com and use code RUNNER15, you'll save 15% on your first order today. We have so many people who've, who've used this code over the last three or four years. Thank you so much. And if you haven't, go check it out today. We also have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you know that you're going to love yourself. And if you don't, you're going to get it back anyway. Do you feel like you would have enjoyed the process as much if you had maybe started doing this when you were like 22, 23? Or did you need that interim period post-swimming, doing, you know, you know, the corporate life and kind of being in a very different place in your life to kind of, you know, or to come to running and really kind of enjoy this process for what it is? I'm, I think running in my 20s and earlier, and if I was on the track, I probably wouldn't have had the same attitude that I do now. I love the fact that I partied my face off, you know, when I had that phase in my life, um, I needed the hiatus. I needed the hiatus because I was really just, I was in a competitive sport for most of my life. And then I took a hiatus and lived a little and yeah. And then I came back to it, not with the intention of becoming competitive again. As you were getting close to specifically the sub three goal, obviously you've done really well at a lot of different distances, but as you're getting close to the sub three goal, um, were you able to handle that with the kind of equanimity that you've kind of described here? Or did you start to really fixate on that? And, and what was your relationship with getting close to this big, huge goal? I was so excited to do it. I was never, I couldn't have been more ready towing the line at Chicago. I knew I was going to do it that day. There was like, I just, I just had to, I was like freezing at the start. I was not nervous. I was so relaxed. I was just so cold because I ran in a sports bra and shorts in like 40 degree weather, but you know, we do what we have to do. Um, You're from New York city. You're tough. You can handle cold conditions. Yeah, no, I can, but it was also <laughs> Chicago. It was Chicago. It's a little colder. It was a little colder. Um, but you know, like leading up to it, I, I I put myself into these shorter races to get me used to the like uncomfort and discomfort of racing and also racing races that I was 
like not comfortable racing at all. I did not have that confidence in racing them at all. But I said to myself, just do it. It's not that serious. Have fun with it. Like this is like, this is your life. Like why not? What do you have to lose? There's everything to gain here. And also these aren't your A races. They're just, they're fun training runs. Just treat them as such. Let me ask you about that. Do you think the fact that you approached them that way and they still went incredibly well. Did that change how you approach your A race? Like, was there like an evolution part of that? Like you mentioned, like, it's not my your A race. It's okay to go into this relaxed. Obviously, the, the, the obvious response is like, well, wouldn't that be a great way to respond to like approach even your A race, right? Like, how did that, how did that success maybe affect how you went into Chicago? That's a great question. It affected everything. I put every single thing I had in preparation for Chicago, like it was all perfect. And honestly, nothing's ever really perfect. Right. But all of those races and just going into those races and having the experiences over and over again, helped me to be relaxed at Chicago. And I shut off like my emails for three days prior to Chicago. I let my athletes know, even the ones that were also racing, that I would not be responding because I needed the mental headspace to just like decompress, get ready, and just relax and sleep and eat. <laughs> and that's I what love I did. that. Good for you for knowing yourself to and, and knowing yourself and also like knowing the boundaries you needed and having the the courage and confidence that like courage not responding to your emails is not courage but you know when, you, when you're a coach and you're sitting there trying to help athletes that you care about it it does take a lot of willpower i guess probably the better word to say like i love you but i'm not emailing with you right now even though like we're both trying to do something awesome um that's that's a remarkable thing that is for sure so uh you said before you went into the race that you had this complete and utter self-belief that this was going to happen for you um how did you make sure early in the race that that confidence didn't manifest itself into going out too fast and really kind of like you know, that all of a sudden, like, it's this fomenting this, like, complete and utter, like, spring in your step that all of a sudden you look down, you're like, uh-oh, I just ran a, you know, a 121 half marathon, and oh, oh what am I going to do now? Yeah, so, so many things. This is why I run based on time in my training, to really feel the pace and understand what that that pace feels like. So many goal marathon pace miles in my training, um, in this buildup, like, really, it was just it was so important for me in terms of going out too fast. I've made that mistake so many times in races, previous races in the 10 miler leading up to it. Who I went out way past my fitness and paid for it in the second half of the race. I was so sick, um, in my training and I had a strategy with my coach to literally stay behind the sub three hour pacer. Um, and you know, they, they could go within anywhere between, you know, 10 seconds within goal pace. So I made to say, I mean, sure to say really far behind them because they went out right. at like a 642 pace, <laughs> which is 10 seconds do. faster. I love yeah. all you pacers, but, but, but when I got past, I've got passed by, by three different pace groups at a marathon in the first mile running paces that I was actually running faster than the pace they were supposed to be running. Yeah. And yeah. I, passed, I was like, I was like, was the, I ran, it was like, it was one marathon where it was, I went out at 7.50 pace and I got passed by the 3.30 group, the 3.35 group, and the 3.40 group within the first like eight minutes. Oh my gosh. You know, I don't know. And wonder... this was, oh, and this was a slight uphill. 
Oh no! That was the. I was like, "What are y'all doing?" Like, yeah, no, it wasn't a great no. race for me. So I'm not gonna sit here and like sit. I'm not gonna start throwing like you know halos around myself. But it was like, oh, I hope these people start dialing it back. Oh my god! Well, you know, it's interesting because you've ran many marathons, Matt. So you know, um, just having run marathons and ma- having made that mistake before, like you know that half the people that you're running with are gonna kind of back off at that halfway point because that's what happens when you crash and burn. And you don't train for it. You don't fuel yourself properly throughout your training more so than your race, of course. But, you know, fueling and hydrating and not and not changing anything on race day. Like truly, I know that's very cliche, but there's a truth to them. Just going out of your current fitness. And if you have something left to give, having that discipline to save it for the last 10K. Just having that discipline. Yeah, and that's and and that's true, and I think that's especially true for people who are racing the marathon. I think it's important to like understand which category you're in, and I say this as someone who's often not in the racing the marathon category, right? Like, if you are not racing the marathon, you not have don't have enough strength to do that. There's nothing wrong with that, but understanding there is no such thing as marathon pace for you. It's more of like, hey, we're going to approach this as the easy pace, maybe easy plus, and you know that way we're gonna we're still we're still running. And mile 22, 23, 24, as opposed to like, okay, again, this isn't like an overall time thing. This is just a strength thing, right? So like yeah. you could be someone like, I remember my first marathon, like, or my second, mar- you know, my first marathon, like I could run eight minute pace for 14 miles in a long run. Like I, I did that a bunch of times, but I didn't pill- didn't have the total mileage to say that that was my marathon pace. Cause for me, I wasn't prepared to run a marathon. Right. So there was like a very difference between like the cal- what the calculator said and like what I was actually capable of doing. So someone could be running a 415, a 430 marathon, and they're racing it because they have the miles to prepare themselves for it. And it's a very different thing versus like, hey, I've run 30 miles for eight weeks and I'm running marathon, but I have a 5K PR of 1930. It's like, that's great, but you're probably not going to race this marathon. It might be more about finishing. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's always right. a run walk strategy. You know, I had a runner who qualified for Boston run walking and we strategized that for her. And it was really good for her because she trains at 9,000 feet and can't always run the Ooh. paces that she wants to run there. Yeah. So it's just, it's, I don't like to use the calculator for altitude exactly. Cause everyone's different and everyone kind yeah. of reacts differently there, but just, you know, she, yeah, she wasn't necessarily going for Boston and for that race but having that attitude allowed her and that strategy allowed her to do it so you never know no for sure for sure well i have unfortunately i have a hard stop (laughs) at at two o'clock today uh and for for a very important reason with that said i do want to touch on two things before we get going first thing is you've set big goals and you have reached them which is huge but we're in goal setting season ali so what are if any goals you have again maybe they're not time goals maybe they're process goals maybe it's feeling goals whatever is there anything that you want to share in that realm yes i always have goals matt i'm training for life that's true i'm training (laughs) to be a healthy lifelong runner um i would love to see how far i want to go on the marathon uh i i'm planning to go for a very aggressive time not too aggressive realistic in san diego and chicago this year uh, in my life, I would like to break a 17-minute 5K, and I'm training for my first half Ironman this summer. This is really exciting. Awesome yeah. stuff all the way around. You are such a delight to talk to. Allie, if someone wants to Thank get in you. touch with you or just learn more about what you're doing, where should they go? Um, at Run With Allie on Instagram or runafastermarathon.com. I love it. Allie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Huge shout out to you, Can, and to Prevnex for sponsoring today's show. Also, if you haven't done so already, head over to Relay. Some of the best content out there on the internet. We're going to be doing a huge three-month focus on the Boston Marathon getting ready for mid-April. This is going to be an enormous, I should say four months. That's four months. What am I saying three months for? Four months. We're going to be doing a ton of Boston Marathon content, not just Boston Marathon, but a lot. We heard from a lot of people that they loved our CIM content heading into the first weekend in December, which is obviously a big race for a lot of people. And we learned from that. We're like, hey, if people like CIM content, we're coming at you full force. We have like 10, maybe even 15 pieces of content directly tied to Boston Marathon from all the way from training to race day logistics and literally everything in between. Head over to patreon.com forward slash relay today to go check it out. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.